This is Lon Winters with Graphic Elephants. This is Jimmy Lamp. This is Matt Masala with the RhinestoneWorld.com. And you're listening to the Two Regular Guys Podcast. And you are listening to the Two Regular Guys Podcast. Podcast. Hosted by... My name is Terry Combs RG. Regular guy. And Aaron Montgomery. We're just regular guys having fun and uh, trying to, to make a living in this really cool and exciting industry. I think we all want to succeed 100% of the time. Seek to understand before I try and make myself understood. Bring a ton of great information. Coming to you live from somewhere dark, dirty, and dank. All right. Well, welcome into the show. It is Friday, May 12, 2023. Easy for me to say. I'm, <laughs> I'm Terry Combs. You can find me at terrycombs.com. And I'm Aaron Montgomery, and you can find me over at OurSuccessGroup.com. Terry, today we're going to be joined by uh, our good friend Johnny Shell, who's uh, been in the printing industry for nearly 40 years. Um, And uh, so you guys go way back, I'm assuming. (laughs) I I don't even remember when I met Johnny, but it was... It's counted in decades, not in years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. so, I'm excited to talk to Johnny. I always love talking to Johnny. He's held positions at uh, SJA, which um, is now called Print United, and as well as production and management and consulting, uh, and been an integral part of lots and lots of things. And uh, now Johnny is the principal analyst of textile and apparel printing services with Keypoint Intelligence. And uh, in today's show, we're going to talk about the 2021 to 2026 DTG and digital textile forecast. So uh, this is one of those topics too, for sure, Terry, that I always love talking to Johnny about. I I remember having him on uh, a while back, a few years ago, where we kind of talked about, you know, hey, let's just talk about what the future of textile garment decorating is and uh you know i still use some of the things that he mentioned on that to this day like i can't wait for the day that there's no longer a small medium and large there's just an Aaron size right <laughs> so uh, i'm excited no, to get medium medium yeah because you can't you can't patch together large and extra large into a single word. Yeah, it doesn't work <laughs> as well. More. An extra large and a double extra large is where I feel like I'm at these days. But um. <laughs> You know, I was thinking, Aaron, uh, we have talked to Johnny about so many different varied subjects, you know, just all over the board. But uh, yeah. that comes with... Uh, 40 years in the industry. So. Yeah. Well, and the other thing about Johnny is, you know, he's been somebody that's willing to get out there going out to lots of different places. We were talking before the show started about his upcoming travel schedule and stuff like that. So, you know, it, it, it takes that desire to want to know what's going on. And, and it's always fun to talk to Johnny. So we're going to do that in just a moment, Terry, but, uh, Today, no no news segment, so we're gonna give give the folks over there at the magazines a, the week off. You know, they uh, they were gonna pick it otherwise, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so who knew, fellow decorators? Literally, no news this week. No, no news, no news. Yeah, no, nothing <laughs> nothing happening. Um, no, plenty of things happening, but uh, we'll have them back next week and and uh, get get caught up on uh, what's been happening around the industry. So, um, but the the segment that we could never miss though i don't believe anymore i think this is kind of a thing now if <laughs> to be honest with you is the dad joke so terry uh, i i think you've been holding this one for for I, a week because we snuck one in last week from one of the listeners uh but uh, uh can you give us a little background first before you get into the dad joke 
Well, only uh, this is the one that I told uh, Eric a couple of weeks ago. This I, I've got a really good one, Eric, and I've been uh, I've been holding it back in my utility belt. <laughs> and and while, while this was going, I need to do a screen capture of Eric shaking his head, so I have that. Yeah, because right? I can't see Eric, so you'll have to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've set that up uh, well enough. So Terry, when you are ready, sir. Yeah. So. Uh, Excuse me, uh, Aaron, uh, what does Batman call his grandmother? I don't know what Batman calls his grandmother. He calls her Nana, 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 Nana. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad that you read that. I would have blown it. So <laughs> Let's see. see yeah, I think it may be dated for people like, that's not Batman. This is not from I'm Batman. This is from the 1970s TV show. Yes, 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 yes. All right. <laughs> Well, uh, right. Ramona loved it and uh, she thought it was funny. So uh, that, that's that's a good thing. Um, uh, speaking of regulators, though, let's uh, check in with the other folks joining us here this morning. We've got uh, Chuck uh, said, good morning, fellas. Todd from Fat Dad Wholesale checking in and Rena Cooper. So, Rena, good to see you as well. Good to see everybody. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, we appreciate you being here. <laughs> Ramona says, Adam West, Batman, my favorite man in tights. <laughs> <laughs> You've never seen Terry in tights, so I don't know. <laughs> so, I, you know, right. I actually well, saw Adam West and Burt Ward, who was, uh, who was Robin, uh, filming a commercial in a grocery store. And uh, I literally walked in and said, holy head lettuce, it's Batman. <laughs> 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 he was actually very cool. Uh, my sons were probably six or seven and he and uh adam west came over and talked to them and got a picture and it was very cool so <laughs> anyway that's I, awesome that's awesome uh real quick though before you keep going there terry sorry to interrupt but uh michelle i want to say good morning michelle and then todd you know we, we always get the todd follow-up so i didn't want to miss it this time but uh did you know when you cross batman with a tree you get it spruce wayne <laughs> All right. There's another head I, I was, shaker. So <laughs> I was totally expecting some reference to the Riddler from Todd today, but <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, before we go any further, we want to thank everyone for checking out the Two Regular Guys podcast. We are always looking for new guests and new dad jokes. And so if you or anyone you know would like to join us, go to calendly.com slash two, the number two, regular guys, and share your show ideas. If you are listening to the podcast version of the show, we would appreciate you sharing the Two Regular Guys podcast with all of your industry friends so they can become regulators too. And we would appreciate you giving us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. We are everywhere. And if you're watching us live right now, please join in with your comments and questions. And uh, Johnny would be uh, happy to uh, happy to share his industry knowledge. Yes, yes, exactly. And uh, we're we're excited to to talk to Johnny. Uh, real quick before we do that, let me just uh, share a little bit of uh, information about some things that I'm got going on over at our success group, and uh, then we can get Johnny in here and and get into this discussion we're going to have with him. So, Eric. Clinton. Are you a small business owner that is ready to create a business that you love? Are you tired of feeling overwhelmed, out of sorts, like the business is controlling you? I'm here to help you create a foundation so that you can build that business that you love. 
I do truly believe that everyone has all of the resources, knowledge, and ability to create a business that they love without excessive grinding and hustle and working ourselves nearly to death. All you need to do is build a foundation using solid fundamentals. These micro consulting services will give you exactly what you need when you need it. Sign up for one of these micro consulting opportunities and I will guide you to building a foundation so you can have that business that you love. All right. Well, check that out over there at uh, coachosg.com and, and uh, let me know what you need. And, and uh, there, there may be a, an opportunity over there for you. So, so check that out. Um, all right, Terry, um, we did get the, uh, the Batman joke that you were looking for though, I think. So I don't know if we should just let this go, but let's not let's, uh, <laughs> well, so Todd says, well, that's Batman doesn't tell dad jokes because that would make him the Joker. So, all right. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> well, let's let's do this, Terry. Let's uh, without further ado, let's uh, bring in Mr. Johnny Shell with Keypoint Intelligence and um, have him join us whenever you're ready. There we go. Welcome in, Johnny. Thank you so much for being here today, Johnny. Let's start off with uh, just telling our listeners a little about your your background in the industry and and your your current position with Keypoint Intelligence or f- for those of, that aren't familiar with what you're doing now so g- give us the the Johnny 101 <laughs> <laughs> All right well hey guys it's great to be with you again I appreciate the opportunity to be here uh so I've been in the printing industry since 1986 I was still in college back then and I've worked in many different facets uh, decorated apparel sign and graphic industrial printing Uh, And now I'm currently the principal analyst for the textile and apparel printing service at Keypoint Intelligence, which is a market research and intelligence organization that provides consulting in a wide range of areas for businesses. We do product testing, uh, either pre-launch or uh, at the customer's uh, request. And then uh, different types of market intelligence, like the forecast we're going to talk about today. So that's kind of my 30 second elevator introduction to me. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And um, how how long have you been with Keypoint now, Johnny? I know it's been a little bit, but. Um, I've been here. It was a year this past November. So about a year, six months, roughly. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Liking it over there. Having, having fun. Absolutely. Loving it. Uh, getting to keep my finger on the pulse of technology development and kind yeah. of working in a, a bit of a different capacity in terms of the market intelligence and forecasting. But I've learned a great deal since I've been here and have been able to bring my expertise to the table at Keypoint Intelligence, with they, which they've really appreciated. So, uh, yes, I think it's a good fit. And uh, I, I kind of love what I do, uh, as That's always, awesome. in this industry. It's hard not to like this industry. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, Johnny, when I when I heard about your new position here um, a year and a half ago, I thought, oh, man, that, this is like custom made for Johnny Shell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is. Uh, I mean, it's a good fit for me, for sure. Yeah. So um, you talked about the forecast. So what is the 2021 through 2026? I, I could have forecasted the 2021 part. Uh, <laughs> the, the DTG and digital textile forecast. How, how was this all put together? 
Okay, so yeah, in simple terms, a forecast really takes historical data and then attempts to predict the future using various data and information that we collect uh, for a specific market. And usually forecasts are done in five-year increments. Uh, that also includes one year of historical data. So that's why you see 2021 through 2026. Um, and we publish a DTG forecast that includes everything from unit placements, the machine revenue generated uh, by those placements, the average hardware price, if you will, uh, average installed base, the print volume, ink volume, retail value of the print and any kind of service revenue from service contracts and things like that. And then in the DTG forecast, we also break that down into hardware segments. So for DTG, there's commercial entry level, which is the slow machines, uh, the commercial DTG, think of a brother or Epson 2100 kind of thing, industrial mid-level. So this would be like the new Aeon Micuro, uh, and then the high level industrial machines like the Corneat Atlas Max, so the super fast machines. Uh, that data is also broken up into the global regions. So North America, South and Latin America, Asia Pacific, Europe, Middle East and Africa. Uh, so you can slice and dice the data however you want to kind of get to what you want to look at. Um, the digital textile forecast is actually a separate forecast, and it's basically the same as the DTG, except it's focused on roll-to-roll -roll digital textile machines. And that data is segmented by printer speed, and there are four speed segments. Uh, also by ink type, so there's acid inks, uh, acid dyes, reactive dyes, dispersed dyes, pigment, or sublimation inks. And also by application, which is apparel, which is most of digital textile, but quickly growing is the decor uh, application segment of digital textile, which really started to boom during the pandemic when we were all sitting in our houses and figured, you know, it's been a while since I changed that wallpaper. I need some new wallpaper. <laughs> right. So decor is really um, kind of the next uh, uh, frontier, if you will, for digital textile. And it's really been growing over the last couple of years. So. And then really just a market forecast provides that critical data, data like market size and market value to a company and helps them determine their strategy, their product development, or if it's a target market they want to enter if they're not already involved. And uh, the forecast, we, we compile them and, and put them together by doing primary research, secondary field research with all of the vendors of the equipment, the inks, the print heads, as well as analysis of the machine capabilities. Uh, we do end user interviews to kind of get their perspective. And then we do on-site visits to production sites. And then all that data and information is funneled through me to generate the final forecast, so. You know, Johnny, it, it, on first blush, you think, well, this would be easy to predict where everything's going, but all these segments are, I mean, this is new stuff. I mean, this is, it could go a thousand directions. So right. it, yeah. I, I just, uh, I, I feel for you trying, <laughs> to, trying to melt all this down and say, okay, here's what we think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and kind of another layer, certainly to the DTG forecast is this past year, we threw in direct to film. And as you know, that uh, technology has exploded since it was first introduced in 2020. 
yeah. and so we, we've included that uh, in last year's forecast. And actually this year, uh, we plan to do a full direct-to-film forecast, which, which would include placements, ink volume, uh, print value, print volume, all those kind of things, that, wow. like I mentioned, for the others. So. Wow. It's well, yeah, uh, it's fun work, you know. It, it really is. And it, had I not had the industry experience uh, yeah. before I came to this position, I would agree with everything you just said, Terry. It's it's it would be quite challenging. But just having my uh, kind of nose to the grindstone and finger on the pulse over the last you know thirty plus years, forty almost forty years, um, it was really an easy transition for me getting into this. Yeah, the data has been hard, and I've had to somewhat relearn Excel to a, to a certain degree, but, um, you know, had I not had that past experience, you know, I, I think I would be uh, a, a bit underwater for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause Karen and it, I are both uh, spreadsheet nerds. So yeah. yeah. Cause, <laughs> cause the data is one call. thing for sure. I mean, I think that's interesting that you mentioned that Johnny, because the, the data certainly, yeah. I mean, but we can, we can read data in all sorts of different ways. It's the actual right. understanding of the marketplace, which, takes the like you said nose the grindstone boots on the ground having those conversations being a part of right. the whole industry right because yeah you could you know i mean terry can tell you a whole lot about the epson f2100 and and some of those kinds of machines but you know that that's his space you know i could talk a little bit about sublimation because i, I enjoy right. that space but right. the breadth of it that's a whole different deal so that's pretty yeah. cool yeah. Yeah. Uh, in yeah, fact, Todd cool. says he's like the Warren Buffett of digital printing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, you know, and <clears throat> as you mentioned, Johnny, uh, DTF, I mean, that that's just I mean, you, I've got my spreadsheet. Well, wait, a, hold on a second. Where, where did this come from out of left field? <laughs> First of all, what is it? And, then, and now how are we going to how are we going to mix it in here? So, yeah. 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 It's been fascinating to watch just the tremendous growth of director film uh, over the last several years. I mean, it's, it's just been I don't even think DTG when it first hit the market was this explosive, to be honest with you. Huh. Oh, I don't think so either. I, That's yeah, interesting I because I was good. Yeah, I wanted to ask you that for sure. Like because in a way it feels a little bit like what had happened in the, the early DTG days. But if yeah, I, I guess I think probably because the learning curve they were able to take value from what people learned in the DTG days and be able right. to much more quickly expand the direct to film world. Does that right. sound about right? Yeah, 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 for sure. And and the other factor is uh, from the end user perspective, DTF is able to decorate many more different fabric types versus DTG, which is yeah. right. pretty limited to cotton or, you know, 50, 50 blends kind of thing, but you gotta be careful uh, with DTG. Whereas with DTF, um, you know, you can change the powder for heat sensitive materials or, you know, they're doing all kinds of stuff, leathers and polyester, nylon, cotton, cotton blends, all those kind of things. So uh, I think that's been a, an attractive feature of DTF for the end user. I think DTG also was kind of a slow roll getting started, whereas DTF, it, it hit like a thunderbolt. And yeah. I, I remember Aaron <laughs> saying to me a couple of years ago, hey, what do you know about DTF? I'm like... Uh, I don't know. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, we all soon found out. So. Yeah. 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 That wasn't well, too long ago. And now, you know, now you could teach it. So um, exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron yeah. and I are doing a, uh, doing a, a, a seminar on uh, DTG and DTF here. Uh, we're recording it on Tuesday. Yeah. So. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So, wow. so we all want to know. 
we all we all talk about you know well, how big is this marketplace? So tell us, Johnny, uh, what do you think the value of D, of the DTG and digital textile market is? Yeah, that's a great question. So in twenty twenty one, we valued the DTG market, and this is print value. So when you when you think of print value, think of retail sales right what the end product is sold for at the uh, point of consumption location right so in 2021 the dtg print value was just over 10 billion uh, and i'm predicting that by 2026 which is really just about three years away now the print value of dtg will be worth over 20 billion so in just five short years the dtg market print value will essentially double right uh, for digital textile in 2021, the print value was a little over 26 billion, and uh, we predict that by 2026, the digital textile print value will be over 48 billion. So, not quite doubling, but nearly doubling. So, for both of these markets, the outlook is extremely good. Um, and since 2020, just kind of a side note here, e-commerce sales have boomed, and along with that, so has DTG printing, right? Uh, in 2022, e-commerce was about 20% of all retail sales. I think it was like 19.4% or something. Uh, but that's expected to reach uh, 24% by 2026. So nearly a quarter of all retail sales by 2026 will be done online. And another interesting point here, apparel is the number one item purchased online now. It's, ha it's surpassed consumer electronics like you know, computers and tablets and things like that. So That's apparel really and fashion is a number one fashion, uh, item purchased online. The other interesting kind of point here is that even though DTG uh, value is, is really great, uh, as a whole of decorated apparel, DTG uh, printed garment still is way less than 10% of the overall decorated apparel market. Um, oh. Some put it at closer to 5%. Uh, so I'll just say somewhere between five. So there's tremendous growth opportunity for DTG. And I think, again, as kind of culture changes occur and the the Gen Z and Gen Alphas kind of start to take over and it's all about them and I want to be different. I want to be unique. Well, that's just going to mean more customized apparel. Right? right. And that's just the perfect fit for for DTG. So. So, yeah. I feel like I personally skew those numbers a little bit because everything I buy is online. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm throwing things off just to, just a hair. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I, I see that in my percentages here, Terry. <laughs> there's a, there's, a, the there's an Combs asterisk. Factor. We have, yeah, there's Combs an asterisk, factor. the Terry Combs factor. Yeah. <laughs> Terry always causing asterisks. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> always uh, an exception. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, real quick, um, Dot Tundan Campbell is in from a cavern deep inside the mountains bordering Alabama and Tennessee. So uh, uh, good to hear. Um, so uh, Chuck asked a question here, Johnny. I don't know if you've got this information or can kind of give us a little bit, but he asked, what do you think DTF will do to projected numbers for DTG? Well, so what we're seeing right now is DTF is having an impact on the, the lower speed segments of DTG mainly the commercial entry level. Um, and as part of our forecast, we also include um, uh, 
electrophotography, the laser printers for laser transfers. Okay. And we've seen a, a pretty significant um, change in, in that uh, data point, uh, all because what we attribute to, to direct to film. Uh, and simply because, as I said earlier, it's such a universal solution for the uh, I'll call it the low end market. It's certainly not for high end fashion and things like that, but transfers are a part of apparel, right? Mm -hmm. And so just because DTF is such a universal application, meaning I can decorate a wide variety of items, it's great for this, uh, you know, the Soho small office, home office type business out of their home or, uh, you know, maybe less than five employees. Uh, they're still able to meet customer demand. Um, however, when you kind of throw that into the the big picture uh most apparel uh certainly uh mid to high end apparel will while it's mostly analog now be, being screen printing uh that will start and it actually has started to change uh and it's, it's starting to shift to the digital uh realm right so you think of companies like um Custom Inc. or any of the any of these online retailers. What's the other one? Fanatics. Um, you know, these guys are going to kind of change the dynamics simply because it's all on demand. It's all custom. And really the only way to achieve uh, profit margin with something like that, you can't go out and set up a screen press for, for two jerseys, right? Yeah. So digital is going to take that business away from, from analog. Now, as far as the Nike shirts and the Captain America shirts you see in Walmart and, and yeah. other retailers, all that stuff's going to pretty much stay screen printing until digital becomes cheap enough and fast enough right. uh, that it can that that it can take that away. So screen printings and, and still digital is only, you know, CMYK. You may have some fluorescent or other spot colors, but it can't do glitters. It can't do a lot of the things that screen printing can do. So. All of these are really just tools in the toolbox of, of the decorator, and it's up to them to choose what tools they want to have in their toolbox. You know, yeah. Carpenter doesn't build a house with just a hammer. You've heard me say that plenty of times. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Terry and I have talked about it. In fact, Terry talks about that all the time. So it's great to have you kind of back that up, right? The, the idea that, you know, what was it? 2006 2007 2008 terry where you know screen printing was going to be dead or maybe it was earlier than that yeah. where yeah. you know all this was going to kill screen printing nope yeah. it's not going anywhere no. <laughs> uh, and, no. and i'm proud of the fact that i said that's nah, not true that's not happening no, <laughs> no. i mean there's six billion t-shirts made a year wow so that's that's nearly there's eight uh, uh, i think we just surpassed eight billion uh people on the planet back in november so that's almost one t-shirt per person on the planet and digital is just not fast enough to do six billion t-shirts you know it's just, right. yeah, yeah. It's one t-shirt per person i'm i'm skewing those numbers too then <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was gonna say i got a lot of t-shirts myself um <laughs> that's awesome so well and i, I think it also interesting like we're talking about from from chuck's question there right that you mentioned that shift with uh, the the laser transfer technology too. I mean, yeah, you look at some of the people that are pretty ingrained in in the laser technology. They've got a DTF machine now, so it's yeah. interesting, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, uh, so okay. Yeah. Well, well, let's let's uh, kind of look at um, you know. I, I guess what are the challenges that you see facing digital? You know, DTG digital textile markets kind of in, in inside of this framework of twenty twenty one to twenty twenty six. Obviously, in the future here next three yeah years. so 
I mean, uh, I think as a whole, all industries are still experiencing challenges with labor shortages. Uh, that's still kind of looming and, and somewhat disruptive. Um, you know, we saw a lot of disruption and turmoil in the labor market during the pandemic. And then uh, what last year, early last year, we saw this mass return to work where everything started to reopen. And so that caused the labor shortage. And I also think too, there's kind of a, there's been a mental adjustment of workers uh, for certainly those that were part of the repercussions of the pandemic, either they were laid off or their uh, positions were terminated or eliminated. They had to take a salary cut and things like that. And so now they're kind of being picky. They're being smarter now with, uh, with such low unemployment rates and uh, they're, they're doing their due diligence before they pick their next role. So uh, they're, they're being quite, um, you know, they're evaluating every opportunity. And uh, I think the labor market is in a state of adjustment, uh, certainly probably till the latter, latter part of this year, I'll say qu fourth quarter of 23, possibly even the first quarter of 24. Wow. Okay. Um, and again, it's all based on the economy and, and uh, you know, all these other factors that we're tr trying to struggle with right now. We've had inflation over the last year that seems to be getting a, a bit under control now. Uh, spending is sort of coming back. I think, though, everybody's still a little, you know, apprehensive and they're, yeah. they're a little reserved waiting for everything to kind of, okay, it's done now. We're we're back to normal, right? But we're still in. I mean, imagine your car sitting in your driveway for three years, let's say, right? Two years of a pandemic, and then one year of economic unrest, and then you go out this morning and you try to start it up. You think it's going to start right up and run like a kitten? No, it's not. It's going to sput and spurter, and you may have to crank it a few times, and may have to get out and kick the tires and say a few <laughs> swear words. Uh, so it's going to it's going to take a, a bit of time to for the engine to kind of warm up now. And I think we're getting to that end of the tunnel kind of thing. Um, but, you know, the, the, it's kind of a wait and see attitude. We're just going to have to see how the certainly the geopolitical and economic issues kind of unfold over the next several months um, to see how it all really shakes out. Um, I, I think another opportunity and I won't say it's a challenge, but. Uh, is this shift to e-commerce, right? That's been such a big part of the last several years. Uh, and, you know, e-commerce was growing pretty good, pretty decent uh, back in 2019 and before, but really exploded because we were all shopping from home, right? During yeah. the pandemic. Yeah. And so I think for some, it's it's a bit of an unknown facet of today's business. And uh, while the software has come a long way, certainly over the last two years, there still isn't a cohesive, all-encompassing, one-stop solution that can manage for the workflow from the front end all the way through to the back end, including ordering, receiving, invoicing, all that kind of stuff. It's mm -hmm. the the production aspects of on-demand on-demand printing are pretty solid. However, there's still a lot of work to be done for that seamless workflow, and I just don't really see a solution. You can piece it together. Uh, you know, there's plenty of uh, softwares out there that kind of do bits and pieces, but just from people I talk to and, and comments I see online and, uh, you know, magazine articles and all the other content that I read, there isn't that one yeah. solid solution that can bring uh, what what the end users of the technology want. Yeah. So um, I do see yeah. that as an opportunity. 
you know? Yeah. Uh, it's interesting because you, you talked about, right. And I think the challenge with digital for sure is the fact that it's so open, right? We can do so many different types of things with it. And so trying to create a system that kind of works that you can stick digital in that box is right. tough because you've got to be able to handle all those different factors of, yeah. know, of what digital allows and opens up. But then, yeah. yeah, that makes it, I think, I think you're spot on with that, that, that opportunity there for a, a product, a service that uh, allows from point A to point B. And because uh, yeah. band-aiding together a whole bunch of them is what everybody does right now, as you mentioned, and, and that yeah. can be a real challenge. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, those are kind of the two that I, I thought of, but, you know, yeah. just, just, just in terms of digital technology, I think there are still those out there that are a bit um, apprehensive or scared of it, kind of. Uh, it's totally new. Maybe they're traditional screen printer or, um, you know, embroiderer or something like that. And so digital is a bit of a different animal to them. And uh, I think there's a, a, a greater learning curve for those types of folks versus some of the go-getters that dive in head first and hope they don't hit the bottom kind of thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think it was a, a huge blessing, a huge opportunity that, a, as you mentioned, you know, the, the, the online sales people, it, it was, it was starting to grow before the pandemic. And I think all those companies that were at least tinkering with it, uh, might have saved their lives by by having that opportunity, you know, and yeah. and kind of a, a similar scenario. And I've mentioned this on the show before when, uh, you know, when trade shows just abruptly ended and, and you know, the last show I was at pre pandemic was, hey, guess what? The show's ending today. <laughs> Come get your stuff. Um, but at Equipment Zone, you know, we were already doing we were already doing the occasional webinar. Right. And we just kicked into high gear and we were doing two webinars a week since we weren't doing trade shows. So, so it, it you know, I, I don't want to say it was an easy transition, but we already had the, the tools in place to make that transition. And I think it's right. true of a lot of companies with, you know, doing online stores, online sales yeah. that if, if you already had a, at least an inkling of, of what to do, it, it 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 really helped you survive that uh, that whole scenario. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, and I think that also then is really telling of what the value of this kind of information that Johnny is is so diligently putting together for us in the, in these reports and things like that. Because yeah, it it okay opportunity there, right? Uh, I should probably be like Terry kind of said, tinkering a little bit more with this. So when it does happen, that that's pretty interesting. So yeah, um, I, that just stood out to me as you guys were talking about that. Yeah. Well, you know, um, uh, during the pandemic, <clears throat> I went out to California a couple of times uh, out at Huntington Beach and places like that. Oh, nobody was on the beach, but uh, you could look at the ocean that you were still allowed to do that. <laughs> but but I just remember seeing miles and miles of of uh, of ships. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, waiting to unload on the dock. So along those lines, and I was just thinking about that as we were talking here. So global supply chain, how is that going to affect DTG and digital textile, the digital textile industry? Yeah, I mean, uh, supply chain really got messed up during the pandemic. As you mentioned, all those ships sitting out at sea waiting to get their spot in the harbor to unload. 
it, it really caused a lot of companies, certainly here in North America and really across the globe, to kind of rethink their uh, supply chain strategy. Uh, and these, I mean, there are still challenges uh, with supply chain, and it's really uh, impacting all markets, including apparel decorators. Um, and that, like I mentioned, with the global economy stagnant for uh, the entire pandemic, it's difficult really to predict when there will be a full recovery to uh, supply chain stability. But I don't expect to see a full return uh, to pre-pandemic supply chain modes until late this year or possibly early 2024. I know I'm tired of going to the grocery store and they're out of tea. One of the most <laughs> consumed commodities on the planet and there's no tea. I'm a ice, I'm from the South. So I drink a lot of iced tea, uh, sweetened, of course, yeah, of course. Uh, but, but I'm sure everybody who's listening today kind of experiences that thing. You, you go to the grocery store and they don't have what you want. You know, for some reason it's not in stock or if it is in stock, the price has jumped, you know, 30, 40%. And uh, so there's been this adjustment. Um, there's also this geopolitical tension that impacts components necessary for hardware bought in the apparel industry. So think uh, silicon chips, computer chips, things like that, right. which is a part of all computers and digital technology. Uh, and good news, delivery times for most semiconductors has come down over the past year, but it remains nearly three times higher than before the pandemic started. So um the other thing with the supply chain, as I mentioned, is certainly uh, a lot of the major brands are rethinking their supply chain, meaning instead of having everything manufactured in China and then having to deal with the high uh, cargo rates for shipping across the oceans, yeah. they're moving manufacturing closer to the point of consumption. Uh, so... For high volume runs, yes, that'll remain offshore for, for more people in North America. However, for medium and short runs, uh, medium runs are going to be more regional, maybe, uh, you know, Central America or, you know, somewhere closer. And then for, for extremely short run or uh, if they're just trying to do a proof of concept or prototype in the market, all that's all that will eventually become local production. So it's kind of harkens back to the very early days of textiles when you had a tailor in the village and he made all the clothes for everybody in that village, not only for everybody living, but those clothes were handed down maybe two generations past that because they lasted. Right. So uh, I think we're going to kind of see a shift. But not necessarily all the way back to the, the good old days of medieval times where, you know, grass huts and, and things like that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I do believe uh, the pandemic uh, taught us a lot in terms of supply chain stability. And as I mentioned, you know, the brands and, and others are rethinking and retooling their supply chain just so they're not caught off guard should something like that ever happen again in the future they're going to prepare now and and make sure that if something like that happens again uh they're prepared for it and they're not literally at the mercy of some foreign manufacturer who's seven thousand miles away and yeah uh could maybe you know not ever make the order come on the ship and and, and get it back across the ocean to for consumption right yeah, yeah. so 
I think that's really interesting, especially in, in, in our space where you talk about that, right? Like it's one thing that the T isn't there. I get it, right? That is frustrating. And so then we start looking for for solutions. And and I know um, like garments, for example, a lot of the uh, distributors are saying, okay, we're kind of, we're back, right? Here's our high inventory stuff. But still what used to take, you know, I, I know talking to a lot of the decorators in, in the mastermind groups that I'm uh, running through our success group, what used to take, you know, ordering time was, you know, 15 minutes. They're now right. spending several hours trying to like right. bring all these parts and pieces together. And, right. and so, but I, I think what you shared there though is, is okay, well then that's, that's the challenge. That's the obstacle. Um, the only way to solve it is to start thinking creatively, cr creatively. And then, you know, what, what are the solutions? Okay. Well, maybe if that distributor is not willing to, you know, work with me more then I need to look for <laughs> the tailor in town. Let's get back to the good old right. med medieval days. Right. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's another aspect to all this. I think a lot of folks certainly in apparel decorator have uh, broadened their supplier circle, right. Instead of working with just one, maybe two suppliers for inks or blanks or what have you. Yeah. They've, they've expanded their circle saying, you know, we can't get caught off guard again. Uh, we've yeah. got to, you know, address this now so that if that happens again, or if this supplier is out of say white ink, well, yeah. I can go to a different supplier and maybe they'll yeah. have it, you know? Yeah. 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 I always said to, to people, if, if your relationship with your supplier of the key products that drive your business is your login information, it's time to change that. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. So that's, that's uh, supply chain. Another thing that uh, seems to be pretty prevalent in the conversations around our market today, especially DTG and digital textile markets um, is sustainability. So what, what do you see as the, the role of sustainability in those digital textile markets kind of as they evolve into the future here? Yeah, sure. I think sustainability is a very hot topic now, uh, uh -huh. but I have a kind of a counterpoint to that that I'll get to in just a moment. But Good. just to give you some frame of reference here, since 2018, which is uh -huh. what, uh, five years ago, the Chinese government has shut down over 80,000 textile print and dye houses. Whoa. Water pollution and high water and energy consumption is no longer being accepted in the world's biggest textile producing country. So that kind of gives you a, a, an insight into huh. and not that, uh, you know, I, I won't talk bad about China, but it's not known for being environmentally friendly and a clean, clean yeah. environment. Right. It's it's yeah. it's known as heavy smog, heavy pollution, yeah. people wearing face masks outside of the pandemic. Right. Just yeah. so they can breathe. Um, so again, that, that just to me speaks volumes about the seat that sustainability has taken at the textile table. Yeah. Uh, and consumer demand is going to continue to rise as the Gen Z and now, uh, the Gen Alpha, uh, I'm, I'm starting to lose track of all these Gen names, right? <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, Gen, Gen, Gen Alpha is the next one. They're the young, the, the young people now that, uh, yeah. some of the older ones are just now starting to buy stuff but they're going to stop at nothing to assure that whatever they're buying and whom they're buying from is sustainable as possible. Yeah. And so uh, there's been an uptick in consumers buying more eco-friendly products than they did just five years ago. And they plan to continue buying eco-friendly products over the next five years. So that's also telling they, these consumers prefer an eco-friendly option and uh, they're willing to pay more for it. I think that's, 
one of the key things with sustainability and what often dismisses sustainability. Well, it's too much. I can't afford that, you know. Well, now consumers are saying, yeah, I'm willing to pay more for a product that I know is sustainable and it's manufactured in ethical ways and it's not, you know, human labor and, and sweatshops and things like that. And um, so the fashion and apparel market is going to invest more in digital printing technology due to the low water and energy consumption that digital brings to the table. It also reduces the CO2 emissions and less waste as the entire textile industry tries to shed its infamous position as the world's second largest polluter. You know, just in the fashion industry, they overproduce by 30%, knowing full well that that extra 30% will never sell at full retail price. Now, imagine running a company where you overproduce on purpose by as much as 30%. It's not a sustainable model. So uh, that's another kind of key that, that digital has brought to the table is, you know, these these fashion brands are no longer tied to an 18-month lead time, right? It used to be where today the designers in New York or wherever, Milan, say they're designing for fall of next year, 18 months ahead, right? Well, then once the prototyping and all that's been approved, then you go into manufacturing and some guy, the bean counter or whoever up in the, the accounting department says, we expect we're going to sell... 10 million of these rose colored dresses. Right. And so they go off on the manufacturing uh, rant and, and manufacturing kicks in. Well, 18 months from now, society has changed to the point where red is a bad color. Roses are considered poison. Who knows? Right. But <laughs> right. The, the, the speed at which uh, society and social trends is moving today does not meet that 18 month manufacturing model of days gone by for, for apparel and fashion. And so the beauty of digital is it's on demand. I don't have to have that enormous lead time. I don't have to overproduce by 30%. I don't make anything until after it's paid for, right? And I think that's going to contribute to um, to the, the whole sustainability movement. But I guess one of the big problems is the textile ship is probably – one of the biggest ships in the world, and it's going to take a while to get it turned. So it's not going to happen overnight. I would say, you know, within the next seven years, uh, sustainability will certainly increase. Digital production of, a, of apparel and fashion will certainly increase. And at that point, we can better gauge on how more sustainable are we. Uh, but right now, I think it's really too early to tell um, in terms of Yes, you, you read the news and everybody seems to be on board finally. Which is how, how long we've we been talking about sustainability? It's been at least 10 years. Mm -hmm. And so it finally seems to getting getting some traction, getting a grasp. However, uh, we just ran some surveys recently and customer demand for sustainable products isn't as high as we are led to believe. So there's a bit of a disconnect from trends being reported on various websites and other news channels. And certainly this data that we captured in, in the survey. So I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I, I certainly believe there is a, a segment of the population that is, they want to be as environmentally friendly as possible and they want to buy sustainable products. It's just that that survey that we ran 
didn't necessarily indicate that, but man, that's a big thrust. And that's the number one demand from customers. They've got to have eco-friendly and environmental, you know, sustainable products, right? But the data didn't back that up. It, not in the survey that we did. We had about 312 respondents here in North America. I did, I did a North American, a profile of North American apparel decorators. And one of the questions we asked is, uh, what are customers demanding and, and sustainability was one of the tick marks on there. And it was either it's in high demand, it's it's not really changing, it's kind of flat or it's declining. And for the most part, it's either flat or there was no demand at all from a, a good percentage of the respondents. Yeah, which was surprising. But again, that's that's kind of a beauty and curse of surveys. You're you're at the mercy of that sample population. So um you have to kind of take it with a grain of salt, right? I do think the the, the trend of sustainability will continue. And really, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of circularity, but that's kind of the next plateau for sustainability. And circularity in its basic form is planning for the end of life for the product, right? So what do I do with it once I'm done with it, right? And in the old days, we'll go back to medieval times, you didn't throw that coat or jacket or that pair of pants away you handed it down to your cousin or your or your brother or you know your your children what have you yeah. and i think that mentality is kind of starting to take hold with this whole circularity movement in terms of sustainability and uh, consumers uh, are getting more conscious of the fact of what happens to this after i'm done with it right and we've seen over the past several years recycled soda bottles being made into polyester shirts and, and those kind of things right uh, so all that's good. And I think finally, again, finally, the sustainability um, trend has started to take hold. And I do believe it's going to continue because it does appear that certainly the Gen Zers and the, and the Gen Alphas are going to move it that direction simply because they understand waste is not a good thing. Certainly overproducing by 30 percent is not a good thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I'm still trying for to sure. Gen Alpha. That's uh, <laughs> that's a new one for me. And well, the circularity, I mean, that I, I think that, uh, you know, electric cars come to mind. I I think that there there's so much focus on on being that good and right person by driving that electric vehicle that then what? Five years from now, ten years from now, what, what are we what are we going to do? And 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 making those batteries. And I know that's off the subject, but no, no, it's it's a great analogy. I mean, where does the power come from to charge those electric cars? You know, <laughs> fossil it comes fuels. from a coal plant. You know, it comes from fossil fuels. <laughs> from magic. Right? It's, <laughs> yes, it's magic. Yeah, it's pixie dust, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah not to mention those shirts. If you want me to go run up and get my 2008 Orange Ball Champion shirt, I'd be happy to go get it for you. <laughs> they <laughs> stay right saying, here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or they can be turned into a, a beautiful uh, uh, knit Quilt. blanket, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, hey, Johnny, this has been awesome. Yeah. Um, sure. Where can our listeners learn more about the products, the services of Keypoint Intelligence like this uh 2021-2026 survey. How can how can people find you and and Keypoint? 
Yeah, so we do a lot more than forecasts, which the listeners can find out uh, more by visiting keypointintelligence.com. I, I, I just mentioned that uh, study I just published on the profile of North American apparel decorator market, and that kind of dives into what technologies the respondents use, what are their future purchase plans in terms of technology, what percentage of revenue is attributed to each of the technologies they use, what's their monthly volume, their average order sizes. So it gives a lot of insight into, you know, your standard uh, apparel decorator here in North America. Uh, so I invite all the listeners today and in the future to come check us out, keypointintelligence.com. Awesome. Johnny, like Terry said, this has been amazing. I've learned so much and and I know our listeners have too. So thank you so much for your time and and thanks for all you're doing to keep our our industry looking to the future and and getting better all the time. Yeah, it's my pleasure to join you guys anytime. I'm happy to help and love talking with you. It's great to see you, even if it's on digital here. (laughs) Uh, Hopefully I'll see you at a trade show soon somewhere. I'm sure we will. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Great, great yeah. seeing you and great having yeah. you back on the show. It's been a little while, but uh, yeah. we, we will Always make it a shorter, it. a shorter window this time. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Love to, love to. Take care. All right. Take care, Johnny. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You know, Aaron, I was just thinking about the survey we do. We do our projections for the coming year and, and Johnny's is based on a lot of, uh, a lot of research and ours is pretty much based on whim and conjecture (laughs) there's gut feel in there too a little bit yeah we got gut feel too i don't think anybody's going to pay for our surveys though so i don't don't think so either it is free therefore you've got to listen to it every friday (laughs) but no i i think what johnny's doing and like you said at the beginning right when you thought about where johnny's heading to man it's like a, a match made in heaven this is a been kind of johnny's thing since i've known him and and uh, obviously educating and teaching but that's that's all a part yeah. of it he's backing it up with some amazing data where we make some assumptions about things and, and he shared some details in there that makes us rethink that a little bit so um it is it, it reminds me of one of a of a thousand conversations with johnny at trade shows and things like that this is this is what we talk about yeah exactly <laughs> he's always he's always got some facts in his back pocket to back it up so i love it <laughs> yeah i do too <laughs> awesome well thanks very much johnny and um terry uh big book of travels how's uh how's it looking what's what's well, the latest for terrycombs.com Yeah, the uh, Complete Screen Printing Business Course. I will be at Workhorse Products here in Phoenix, June 3rd and 4th. Uh, The following weekend, Atlas Screen Supply in Chicago will be June 10th and 11th. And uh, watch for all my upcoming events at terrycombs.com. How about you, Aaron? Yeah, I know. That's awesome. Uh, go check that out. I, I'm curious in your, your June event there in Phoenix, will you be also having a segment of that class about how to cook your breakfast on the sidewalk? Probably in the fact that you can make sun tea here 360 days a year. Yeah. The great part about, <laughs> great part about Phoenix is they've got it figured out. They know how to deal with it. And you don't even know that you're in the middle of a desert. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, um, for me, uh, I've got uh, coming up here, start here Academy, which is a, uh, going to be the day before the graphics pro expo in indianapolis Uh, that's happening on june 14th so if you're planning on coming to gpx sign up for start here academy too and just make sure to be there the the evening before Um, i think the doors open at like three in the afternoon and then uh, got a got a great program we talked to lori last week and she's going to be one of the the presenters there we've got uh, 
Angel Angelique, I think uh, we'll we'll get we'll get that nailed down here. Here I, I just blanked on her name. It's been a wild morning, but uh, so that that's all coming up here. Start here Academy. If you'll go to osg.link forward slash sha, that will take you directly to the information about it, and it is free of charge and and um, just a great event. And I'm super excited to be part of it. Um, some great sponsors supporting it, and and I think it's just going to be a great evening of education and networking and and inspiration too. So. Um, even if you're not somebody that's just starting up, the, don't don't think that oh well you know that's just for for newbies. Nope, there's going to be great information for everybody. And and cu coming from that uh, you know kind of beginner's mindset is always super valuable to to anybody, I believe. So that's that's happening June 14th, and then next thing for me will be uh, the next week. I'm heading off to Atlanta, Georgia for the skills usa uh thank you eric skillsusa.org now this is not a, a a traditional trade show what this is is an opportunity to to hang around with some young people that are coming into our industry we there's a competition um i happen to be involved with the sublimation competition but there's a screen printing competition as well and um the, the entire atlanta convention center will be taken up by these young people who are these are jobs that we need to kind of fill. This is about bridging that skills gap um, and and finding labor. So supporting things. If you're worried about like your future labor market, support stuff like this. And um, so if you want to come check it out, uh, just let me know and, and I will figure out a way to get you in there. Um, it's not necessarily, you can sign up, but it's not super cheap to, to just show up. So I've got some tricks up my sleeve <laughs> that, uh, and then if you want to support that too in fact speaking of johnny by the way um johnny is who brought me to this uh, organization skills usa and it was his passion for these young people and creating this that uh, told me that this was something i needed to be a part of so i, I do want to while we're talking about johnny i just want to give him kudos for what he's built to i'm honestly just following his formula so <laughs> that's uh, what's happening over there um and and i am still open uh, we've been able to get quite a bit of support um epson's pledged some support we've got condi sewing machine.com um I don't have all the names right now. I'll, I'll get all that together once we get a little bit closer. So I'm not missing anybody, but uh, always looking for more support too. If we can give these kids some prizes and some better things to kind of understand that our industry does really care about them. Um, you look at some of the other competitions out there and, you know, you've got Harley Davidson giving, you know, a $10,000 prize package away, just, just one sponsor. So um, if we can step up as an industry, I think that would be a, a good thing. And uh and these are going to be your future customers. So um, opportunity to, uh, to, I don't know, get in, get in front of them, help them uh, get better at the craft and, and kind of just take our industry to the next level. Those, those gen alphas are going to be there shortly. So let's, uh, <laughs> you know, put them Aaron, on I that. remember um, you and Eric and myself meeting a, a young screen printer at uh, thread X or thread X. Yeah. yeah. Thread X. Yeah. And uh, a, a previous winner of yep. uh of skills usa so that was uh, yeah. that was fun to meet him yeah and real quick uh to carry on that story he was actually there last year at the skills usa competition because he hired a kid in his company because he went and started his own company after this he hired a kid in his company that was at the competition competing in the screen printing competition so he was there to support his employee Right? Awesome. And so just look at that, that, uh, right. Yeah. I mean, just super cool to see that expanse and, and, uh, bringing people into the industry. So, um, awesome. Uh, Terry, would you share real quick what Eric's got coming up here? 
Absolutely. Today, uh, the take up is episode 151. Is 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 he gaining on us? I feel like he's gaining. <laughs> well, we had that one that we missed, so I don't know. If <laughs> okay, the episode is all about prepping art for embroidery and digitizing. And uh, let's see, uh, we will talk about how and when to rework art, the ways in which we bring art into software, and how we draw for digitizing. Head over to ericcampbell.com and click the Take Up tab and uh, join live at 2.30 Mountain Daylight Time, because I live in Mountain Standard Time. Sorry, Eric, <laughs> I say it every single time. <laughs> Eric, Eric's also going to start putting in 3.30 Central and we'll... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so anyway, Eric is also going to be at uh, Impressions Expo in Fort Worth presenting Embroidery's Value Proposition on Thursday, September 14th. Nice. And uh, that's down the road, but around the corner, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Down the road, but around the corner. I think that's a really good way <laughs> to put it. So um, and speaking of 151, uh, Terry, we're I'll double check, but we're two episodes away from 500, by the way. I know. So just, I'm pretty um, excited. Yeah, 500 yeah, episodes. Cool Who would have thought? Thank you guys out there for, for making that happen. But uh, Terry, I think we've come to the close of another show here. A great uh, opportunity to talk to Johnny and, and thanks Johnny for his time and, and all of the great work that he's putting in to continue to make our industry a better place. So uh, make sure that you check out keypointintelligence.com and, and uh, you know, just go in there and tell them how much you appreciate Johnny's time today. That, that uh, <laughs> sure could go a long way. So thanks well, Johnny. Know, appreciate it. And yeah, Aaron, for you and me, it's uh, th this podcast is, has for nearly 500 episodes been an opportunity to, to kind of hang out with our industry friends when we don't get to see them all the time. So yeah. and Johnny certainly is, is uh, among that group. So yeah. we also want to thank our show producer, Eric Campbell for all he does to keep the, wheels turning on the bus yes yes it's a it's a rickety bus but he keeps it moving <laughs> forward so thank you eric i appreciate everything that you do uh terry next week we've got Teresa hegel from asi joining us uh it's been a while since we've had Teresa on so uh, we're yeah, excited to yeah. talk to her um and and we're going to talk about the asi's media promo for the planet initiative so uh i've not heard a whole lot about this yet so i'm looking forward to uh to digging in, you know, we talked with Johnny today about sustainability. So here you go. Let's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I did, maybe we'll bring uh, I up into... circularity or, or what uh, we'll have to get that term from Johnny again, but, uh, <laughs> circularity. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, All right. Until then I'm Terry Combs. He's Aaron Montgomery. And that was the two regular guys. Here we go. We're out. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for listening to two regular guys. Check out our website at tworegularguys.com. That's the number two, regularguys.com. You can also interact with us over at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash tworegularguys, or send us a tweet, twitter.com slash tworegularguys. And we have a YouTube page. You can find all that from our website, tworegularguys.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to spending some time with you again next week.